listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast, where, as always, we interview higher ed marketers that we admire for the benefit and hopefully the betterment of the entire higher ed community. My name is Troy Singer, and my partner in creation is Bart Kaler. And today, Bart, we get to talk to Mary Barr from Ball State University, who is a brand expert within the higher ed community. Uh, Can you tell us what we can hear from her during our conversation? Yeah, Troy. I think that uh, I've I've known Mary for several years and uh, have had a, have the opportunity to have worked with her. And one of the things I've always really admired about Mary is that she is such she's got such a pulse on brand, a, a pulse on um, storytelling. And I think a lot of the conversation we'll talk about today, whether it's about some of the transitions that she's been in in her career and how she's kind of you know weathered the storms of some of those, and as well as just you know some of her innovative ways of using you know, focus groups and research and, 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 uh, you know, inexpensive innovative ways. I think everybody could learn from that. And, and then just the idea of, you know, just kind of how do brands kind of do new things and storytelling around that when you are doing new things that fit your brand. So it's going to be a great conversation. I think there's a lot to learn. Yes. And I don't know Mary as well as you, but what I do know about her is that she is an idea woman. So let's bring Mary into the conversation. We are pleased to welcome Mary Barr, Chief Marketing Officer at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. Welcome to our podcast land, Mary. Well, thank you, Troy, and thank you, Bart. This is such a thrill and an honor to be invited to be on your podcast. The pleasure is ours. And before we get started, if you could give the listeners a little bit about you and your role at Ball State. Well, I would love to. Um, Mary Barr, I am the Chief Marketing Officer at Ball State University. And I've been in this role about about four years. However, I joke I've had a couple of tours of duty (laughs) here at Ball State. Um, I was the Director of Marketing for a period, left, and uh, was recruited away to Rose-Hulman Institute of Technology on the other side of the state. I was vice president of marketing communications there. And then I returned back to Ball State in this uh, current role in 2015. So I've been back since then. Very good. Well, Mary, you and I have known each other for a while. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to kind of uh, work with you in those different transitions. I know I think we met early on through a mutual friend uh, at Ball State that, that I knew before she arrived at Ball State. And so um, Julie introduced us. And then there was, some, you know, she ended up at, at Rose Holman and you were at Rose Holman. And so we did some work together at Rose Holman and that I'm proud of. And and uh, so just, you know, just full transparency, you know, you you and I have worked together before. But I, I think it's just interesting that everybody can relate to the fact of a lot of transitions going on in, you know, in our careers and, and relationships follow one another to different places, which I always am grateful for. And, and it's one of the reasons why I really try to build relationships as a partner rather than a vendor. I, I've kind of, I've known you long enough to know that sometimes these transitions kind of end up in the middle of other types of transitions. And I know we talked a little bit about that. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. No stranger to transition. And of course it's easier to talk about transition, um, years later in hindsight for sure. Um, but like anything, um, I feel transition is an education. You can learn from it, um, especially as marketers and, uh, kind of leaning into leaning into it when we, when we can, you know, we're creative people for the, for the generally speaking, for the greater good, um, folks on our marketing teams. But there is some comfort in routine and following, for example, a brand style guide. But we can always count on, on transition. I look at it as a good thing, um, especially if you can continue to deliver and stay calm and um, learn from the very brilliant people that are around us. Um, during those times. Bart's been my phone a friend a, a time or two. I had a couple of presidents at Rose Holman. One, um, unfortunately, tragically passed away. Um, so there was a, a sudden transition there. And then, you know, whether it is folks on a team or retiring a, a campaign or um, new players that come in, transition always does seem to be a part of it. Um, the good thing is, um, a brand, a campaign can help identify some of the key players in those transitions. You definitely need them to be your biggest brand ambassador. Hopefully they're at the table when a lot of those conversations are happening to help inform it and to help capture their vision, their strategy, and all that too. So um, yeah, I kind of joke, uh, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> <laughs> All the transition, wherever I go, this transition follows. But um, I, I, I'm just, I, I, I say that when I'm teasing. But I think when we can learn from transition, not be afraid of it, just consider it another part of a creative evolution, as with anything. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you say that. We did a, a podcast a few um, months ago with Christy Jackson. She's at University of North Carolina, and she talked about crisis communications and obviously crisis communication many times, whether it's the death of a president or, or other things, it does require a lot of transition and kind of getting used to the transition. You know, one of the things that I thought she kind of articulated well, and I think I hear you in your voice too, is that, you know, as marketers, as communicators, we kind of have to plan that transition is going to happen. I mean, we have to plan and think about, you know, those things that change is going to happen, transition is going to happen, difficulties are going to happen. And and what is it in our playbook from a brand or from a communication technique that's going to help us navigate through that? Because I mean, at the end of the day, many times those issues and those those challenges end up in the marketing department, in the communications department. And it sounds to me like a lot of that is, is you know, starting to learn to embrace the change, embrace the transitions. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. There's, you know, reactive and proactive work that's always being done. Embracing things that are where you have to react to and make it the best you can. Um, but then also being proactive uh, in moving forward and uh, following some long, longer term strategies um, for sure. And when you have this inside feeling that something's not quite hitting the mark, always going back to those brand messages, to that brand core, that brand strategy, and that can usually get you back on. But also being able to at least be open-minded when a, a transition comes or maybe a sudden new initiative or a sudden new plank um, that's being added uh, on your plate. When you can really look at it, see it as an opportunity, seeing how it can help maybe fill some gaps of some things that you wanted to do before and just trying to make it work, you know, for sure. So, but I think being reactive, it's 
comes with the territory. Um, This past year, we have had to be reactive in in many ways, and everyone has. But also then just keeping an eye on, on the strategic plan, on the strategic planks within your marketing plan, and having that help you stay the course. That's great. That's great. Thanks for sharing that and being vulnerable about that. I think sometimes that's, a, you know, dealing with change is always going to be vulnerable and then talking about it later, I think is, is difficult too. So thanks for doing that. Troy? Mary, in a previous conversation that we had, we likely discussed an idea and a thought that you had that similarly, as you see in corporate uh, larger brands, how they collaborate brands with one another for a mutual benefit or for a synergy, how we can do that within higher education. I would really like to go back into that conversation with you and get your thoughts around it or any type of initiatives that you think could come out of something, a collaboration within higher education. No, no, for sure. Um you had asked me about like what kind of trends I follow or mm-hmm. um, in marketing and in the industry. And I seem to love to follow um, maybe the greater industries, you know, keeping an eye on, you know, music and fashion, the arts. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of collaborations by some, by celebrities and consumer brands. Um, For sure. It, and uh, it's kind of fun. A lot of them have a, a short time frame, but they're not just cool, but they also elevate both brands, give, introduce new markets, new audiences to, to each, you know, often. So I've been looking at that, um, just thinking it's interesting. We all know sometimes higher ed can be a beat behind um, consumer marketing, but make no mistake, we've got audiences, we've got consumers, we've got people who shop and compare, compare prices, um, compare a myriad of things. So that's something I've been kind of looking at. And I know a lot of universities are no stranger to, for example, lending a speaker series or a naming opportunities. Um, Universities do things like that all the time in a kind of a, a donor relation way. So so there, maybe there are some aspects of that in higher ed, but you know, what are some of those things we can learn from some of the things that attract our attention as consumers as we look at our favorite brands? We're consumers as well. We um, have to keep our eyes open for the things that attract us as consumers. Um, we're marketers, but I may be interested in the same uh, brands that I that I follow and that I'm loyal to, and they may have a partnership with musical artists, and that opens my eyes to perhaps following that individual as an artist. And so, I think it's it's um, good for us to see what's attractive to us, things that we enjoy, or um, open our eyes with our favorite brands that we follow. I like that idea, Mary, because I think that, as you said, sometimes, and I've said this many times, you know, higher ed is a little bit of a beat behind. Um, you know, sometimes I estimate it, you know, five to 10 years, uh, depending on what's going on. And that's, you know, and I understand that. I mean, where higher ed has been for hundreds of years, um, I think that only in the last 10 or 15 years have they really had to start thinking differently and behaving differently. Because I mean, 
I mean, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. I think we all are here on, on this podcast as, as far as the three of us. And things changed kind of after we had our college experience and as we started becoming you know, professionals ourselves, the world kind of shifted a little bit. I don't know if it was when millennials came along or if it was when, you know, it went from the three channels we were used to, to cable and everything else. I mean, a lot of things shifted. The internet came online in the mid nineties. And, and so uh, the world shifted, and I think that the the consumer brands, the retailers, a lot of other places kind of kept up with that shift. I think higher ed kind of continued to ride the wave that they had been on, not realizing that they needed to kind of shift as well and, and do the transitions that we were talking about. And so I think sometimes it's difficult for for academia to accept that, you know, our prospective students are consumers they have choice. They are shopping, as you've said. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that I think that I remember being in, in meetings in the mid-90s and I would use the term sales or I would use the term shopping or I would use the term consumer. And, you know, you, you, you needed to pick up the administrators off the floor because, I mean, they were, they were offended by that. And, and we, are, we are academia. We do not talk about things like that. That doesn't apply to us. I think that's changed. I think that's shifting. And I think that's really healthy. But I think that it still comes down to the fact that we're still a little bit slow. I was talking to a client the other day about their social media and missed opportunities because their messaging wasn't crafted perfectly and it wasn't, it didn't go through the entire system that they wanted to. And they missed opportunities because it took them three or four days to reply to something that needed to be replied to in an hour, especially, you know, social justice issue that was the the topic at that point. So we've got to kind of, I think it's, it's a bigger topic. We've got to be able to kind of adapt and, and, and lean into that more. But I think it comes back to the fact, like you said, paying attention to those other industries, paying attention to consumer brands and retail and seeing what's going on. I mean, just, just paying attention to what happened on that um, TikTok video last summer where, you know, guys riding a skateboard and, and drinking ocean spray and, and listening you know, to Fleetwood Mac. Okay. All of a sudden you've got two big brands that jumped onto that and they did it well. I mean, ocean spray really did that well. They partnered well. They, they kind of took care of that man and they, they, they did it well. And I mean, obviously he had his 15 minutes of, of glory and fame and obviously it really impacted Fleetwood Mac and Nick Fleetwood kind of responded in kind. And there was a lot of really good things that happened out of that, that I think as we as higher ed marketers can see how brands, how influencers, how others kind of play in the marketplace. And, and I use the word play intentionally because sometimes it does take play more than it takes work or overthinking something. And I think that that collaboration between brands is is something that we have to start playing with rather than coming up with this perfect solution. I mean, in a lot of ways, higher ed is kind of already created that way, but we call it articulation agreements. How can we start talking about it more as collaboration? And I, and I, I find that fascinating to kind of think about that. Yeah. And, you know, that leads me to think, Bart, too, of um, we've got some great experts around us, and that's our students. And I like to turn often to, for example, our, our tour guides or, ad, or admissions tour guides. They're experts. Uh, they have their finger on the pulse. If we need them to help us articulate some things, let's have a focus group of five with, with them or have them film something for us or give us some guidance on some things. Give us some guidance on swag. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, um, oh, it's not swag, it's merch. They call yeah. it merch. <laughs> exactly. So, the, the, again, the, the differences in age. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, and I think for us to enjoy that and to just 
sometimes think of, hey, they're the experts. Uh, they, they know what's attracting them. And if we ask them, they are very ready to, to know. They, they can articulate brands. They know how to make their own right. um, brand with their own blogs and their key messages and their look. So our current students are very astute to their presentation. And so I think when we can tap into them, or um, I joke about having my little posse around me. I had that at Rose Holman. I was not an engineer, but I had a bunch of engineering students around me. And I had about four or five students I um, tried to create a relationship with that I could bounce some ideas off of them from a branding perspective and, and all that if it would kind of meet their needs since they have a very specific viewpoint as they were assessing brands and yeah. uh, their higher ed options. Yeah, that's great. And I, and I think that even doing that, you're recognizing them. A lot of them are influencers in their, in their own right. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about influence marketing, and, but I think that, you know, social media especially has kind of elevated that, you know, whether it's YouTube or Instagram. You know, I was talking to one, one school, I was at a, a conference and they were kind of explaining how they were using um, Instagram and influencer marketing with some of their students who had, you know, some of these students had 10,000 followers in and of themselves as freshmen in college. Well, that's the definition of influencer marketing. And so how do you recruit those students to coexist with your brand, you know, partner with your brand, partner with the brand of the school? Uh, because obviously they are a consumer of that brand. And so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really interesting um, thought, Mary. And I know that even in our pre-conversation kind of leading into that, you, you talked about, you know, you just talked a little bit about focus groups and pulling some people together. And you do that a little bit more uh, around orientation for sometimes. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, I know many of your guests on your show are, are no stranger to research and, and analytics, and that's that's great. Um, I, I know we we got to have that. Uh, but almost a tradition that we do here is in during incoming for incoming students during during orientation. Boy, here are people who have just been on a constant flow of marketing from Ball State and others. And so we always just want to have a check step with them during orientation, incoming freshmen and their families. And uh, yeah, obviously it worked. So we are learning from the folks that it was effective with. And so every year we have a different agenda with, with them. Um, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I've already conducted three groups and have three more groups in the upcoming weeks. And, uh, you know, we, we try to get perhaps current messages in front of them to see what resonates. Perhaps it's a new program for incoming freshmen or for the first year experience that uh, is a, a, a trend in higher ed now, how to brand a first year experience so students meet their milestones during the year. Um, so as we're rolling out some new things, asking that audience, I've even showed them billboards um, <laughs> and TV commercials and, and things along those lines, just for them to rate what their favorite ones are and have the conversation around it. And then that's always helpful when perhaps leadership or our internal clients uh, have, uh, you know, really love something. And you're like, well, you know what, our, our brand of student, they really like to see this type of thing. Um, and when we can point to that and have some of the narrative around it, sometimes that's all we need to kind of change course a little bit. Because again, yeah, they're the experts. They've just been on the receiving end of a lot of our work. 
That's great. And I, and I, I, what I like about that. And when we talked earlier, I just thought it was, um, not only is it a built in check-in and, and just kind of that process of, you know, there's already a group of people there that we can talk to. And, and I think sometimes when people hear the word focus group, they think of, um, you know, I think of two way mirrors and, and dark rooms and, and 37 people there that, you know, it's, it costs a lot of money, but I, I think the way that you're kind of approaching it, you don't have to say, well, we, we don't have the resources to do focus groups. Well, you've got the focus group already there. You just have to pull them together and ask them. And I think sometimes just that, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's a vulnerable thing to ask for somebody's opinion and, and be willing to hear it. I think sometimes that keeps us from doing it and we use excuses of cost and effort and everything else. And so I, I think that I like what you're saying. It's being vulnerable with ourselves to be able to say we might not know everything, but we do have some people that know more. Right. You know, frankly, it, it's it's really not that expensive. Uh, sometimes it's just the the cost of lunch and a T-shirt. And I'll tell you what, when you offer a free lunch and a T-shirt, many people raise their hands and <laughs> need those orientation leaders to, to help just get the amount that we need. And But yeah, keeping it small too. The one we had the other day was two students. And at first I thought, oh boy, um, but boy, we could really drill in and they were fantastic and it was very enlightening. And I brought some piece of feedback back that day and um, leadership changed a message, you know, over it um, because we were kind of uncertain about something. So, so it's, it's inexpensive. It's right in front of us. And for me, it's also educational and humbling to yeah. people that I work with. You know, I often need a note taker and if I could have someone either on the team or uh, an internal client help take notes for them to hear things firsthand too, um, I think is helpful for them. And then they're ambassadors of the the research and, and all that. And so it has come, at least at Ball State, people even through the years like, hey, we'll need to test that during focus groups. And I love it when some of our inter- internal colleagues are, are mentioning it and instead of us always bringing it up too. So it is inexpensive. It's right under our nose. And it is a, a great check step, positive or negative, slash constructive criticism right. that we can learn. That's great. That's very good. Sounds like you get a lot of pertinent information on your marketing through that research, um, very inexpensively, for sure. Mary, thank you for everything that you've shared with us today. But again, I can be a little greedy. So before we close, would there be one nugget or idea that we didn't get a chance to mention that you think could be applicable for other marketers out there? Oh, gosh. Well, we did cover a lot and I can talk about marketing and (laughs) higher ed and Ball State all day. But uh, um, one thing that's maybe a a little random, I guess, is a little bit about recycling Mm -hmm. and recycling our vinyl. I don't know about other folks, but uh, under my purview is a lot of campus banners and billboards and um, a lot of vinyl on campus, even some of the things in the athletic facilities. Um, you know, we generate a lot of that. Of course, all universities have good recycling um, protocols in place, um, but it's still um, plastic after all. So, um, one of the things we have done here is um, here at Ball State is we took uh, one of our um, vinyl banners that was displayed very prominently in the Indianapolis International Airport um, during our centennial celebration. And we took that down, um, we cut it up, uh, we had some experts at a, uh, a local company um, make them into little zipped pouches 
that um, we then used as gifts. And we used with a little card in them with a, a little bit of the story that this was a centennial banner that, that hung in the um, airport and it's recycled and hopefully you can have a little piece of our centennial celebration. Um, and then gave a, a little life and another nice little story um, that we could pass on. So we passed those out to some key donors and some key folks who worked really closely with the campaign, the centennial campaign as a thank you gift. That is a wonderful idea. And as I think about and as we produce things like that for other colleges and universities, vinyl is everywhere. And I hope someone else steals that nugget. If I may ask, uh, was that you or someone on your campus, a student? How did that idea come about? Yeah, no, um, I've been kind of tuned in. I don't know if I should name the company, but PUP. It's a nonprofit in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I've had a relationship with them through the years, just through some of my other volunteer work. Um, and PUP stands for People for Urban Progress. And uh, they uh, do a lot of that work with sports outlets and um, other entities that, that do produce a lot of vinyl. Um, so they are a, um, a really um, wonderful recycler of materials. Um, and so I had a relationship with them before. And so I was always seeing vinyl <laughs> and I, I've always wanted to do um, a project with them. And I was thrilled that I could. Um, at the time, uh, one of their founders was a Ball State alum. So that ad added to the story as well. But yeah, there's, they are amazing um, nonprofit located in Indianapolis. Um, I'm sure there's some other folks or sometimes even internally with uh, an uh, apparel design program, fashion design. Sometimes you may have some resources right under your nose as well. And again, adds to the story for something that might be kind of fun and unusual for a, a fundraising campaign or a special event. Thank you, Mary. That was a wonderful example. If someone would like to contact you about that idea or anything else, what would the best way for them to get in touch with you be? Oh, gosh, probably um, my old school email. Um, I'm easy to find, mbar, mbar at bsu.edu. Thank you very much for your time and all the wonderful wisdom that you gave us today. Bart, before we get out of here, do you have any parting words? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, thank Mary and, and uh, for all that she's offered us today. And I think that knowing her for so long as I have and, and just in this conversation, I think everyone can kind of understand and know that she's a brand expert. And I think one of the expertise of, of recognizing that and somebody who really understands brand is how willing they're able to kind of talk about stories. And I love the fact that a lot of what we talked about today, whether it was the use of, um, you know, some focus groups, whether it's about, you know, the stories of, of some of the transitions that she's been a part of and, and what that means and how to, how to you know, navigate that, the idea of, you know, what stories can two brands together tell. And even down to the story of, you know, hey, we want to recycle something, but not only do we want to recycle it because it's the right thing, but how can that then support our brand? Because our brand is all about empowering people. It's about, you know, Ball State's brand is a lot more than just recruiting students. There's a lot of things that Mary has kind of talked about today that I think is reflected in her conversations and things that they're doing at Ball State that go deeper and telling those stories to help 
articulate the brand, I think, is so important. And I think that Mary does a great job of doing that, whether it's through a billboard that you see on Interstate 69 or whether it's just through this conversation about, you know, the, the recycled elements and, and utilizing a local nonprofit to do that and, and making those into meaningful gifts for donors. I think there's a, there's a chance for all of us to tell our story better. And if you want to learn how to do that, I would observe what's going on at Ball State. And so those are, those are some really good ideas. So thank you again, Mary. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you, Bart. And thank you, Troy. And thank you for all the work that you both do in our industry and help us look great. Our pleasure. And want to remind everyone that the sponsors of this podcast, number one, is Bart's company, Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency, and by Think Patented, a marketing execution printing and mailing provider of higher ed solutions. On behalf of Bart Kaler and myself, Troy Singer, thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.